Good evening, friends. I hope you have a copy of God's Word in front of you. And uh, if you do, I invite you to turn to Exodus chapter 20, which is be, will be our passage for this evening. A couple of things we need to get out of the way as we're going about this and getting ready for our look at Exodus 20. First of all, um, no, I did not get my ear pierced with a white earring uh, while you while I have been gone. Um, actually, the microphones that we needed to do this um, did not all arrive before Amazon decided to prioritize shipping. Uh, so this is an earpod that is also my microphone to make the sound better. Secondly, I know some of you, maybe many of you, are wondering: should, Are we really going to continue this Westminster Confession of Faith series, shorter catechisms? I mean, is this the time in the midst of everything that's going on? Is this what we should be studying right now? And and then we're in the Ten Commandments. I mean, is that is that what we need right now in the midst of this situation with the virus? We had those same questions, and we were thinking through it and praying through it. And and for two reasons, we think this is exactly where we should be right now. The first is that we know, uh, 2 Timothy 3.16, that all Scripture, all of it, all of it, all Scripture is God-breathed and profitable. All of it is profitable for teaching. And it goes on, reproof, correction. But it also says at the end, for training in righteousness, that the man or woman of God may be equipped for every good work. And if there's ever a time we need to be equipped for a good work, it's right now. And so this is going to be helpful to us. Well, what about grace and comfort? Isn't that what we need from God right now? Well, let me just tell you, these 10 words here in Exodus, 10 words from God, are words of grace. I love how uh, one of my favorite pastors and writers, Kent Hughes, when he wrote a book on the Ten Commandments, he entitled it The Disciplines of Grace. Uh, Reverend Horton, when he wrote the book on the Ten Commandments, he entitled his The Law of Perfect Freedom. Uh, these words are words of grace for us, and I think it's important for us to study them at this time. And I want to show us tonight how this is exactly where we need to be, and I want to show us, more importantly, that this exact is exactly the God that we need at this time. Now, if you want to take your printed version of the bulletin. I have mine here. And let's read and respond to the questions together, and then we'll read our scripture. It says, what introduces the Ten Commandments? These words introduce the Ten Commandments. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Second question, what does the introduction to the Ten Commandments teach us? The introduction to the Ten Commandments teaches us that because God is Lord and He is our God and Redeemer, we must keep all of His commandments. And now, Exodus 20, just verses 1 and 2. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Brothers and sisters, the grass withers, the flower fades. But the word of our God will stand forever. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, as we come to your word tonight, we would ask that you would speak to us, even as we sit in our different homes throughout this city. Uh, Lord, teach us from your word that we might be strengthened and encouraged in your comfort and grace. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it really is hard to believe, isn't it? In fact, it's really hard to believe how much our world has changed in just the last 18 days. 
It's even crazier to think how many rules and restrictions we've accepted into our lives without any kind of like rebellion or pushback. And we're Americans. I mean, we love our freedom. And yet we're accepting some rules that 18 days ago we would have we would have never dreamed of doing. For instance, um, we're not allowed to be in any restaurants. You cannot go to your favorite restaurant. In fact, you can't go to any restaurant at all. And what do we say? We're like, okay. And then we were told, listen, you if your work isn't essential, you can't go to the office. So don't go to the office unless you're considered essential. Maybe all of us would have said, well, wait a second, I'm, in, I'm essential. But instead, we just responded, no, okay, okay, that's good. Um, we accepted more rules. We were told if you're around certain people, uh, you need to quarantine in your house for 14 days and not come out and not go anywhere. And we were like, okay, we'll do that. Uh, we were told that um, if we ever cough in, in public, in fact, we shouldn't. We shouldn't cough or sneeze in public at all. But if you cough or sneeze in public, you cannot do it in your hand. No, you've got to do it into your elbow. Um, and we said, okay. And when you wash your hands, listen, you, you need to you wash them 20 seconds and make sure you get those thumbs. And we were like, okay. And we're even being told now, when you go to the grocery store, you can only get one package of toilet paper. That's it. One package. And we're going, okay, we'll just accept that. We'll do that. And you have to wonder yourself to ourselves, well, why in the what? Why have we accepted these? And, and who's getting to make these rules? And, and why are we trusting these people? And yet I'll tell you, because I'm accepting the rules. I've been accepting the rules for the last several days in particular by staying home. Uh, that every day, a good friend of mine, a good friend of yours, uh, gets on our newscast at 1.30 and he does a briefing. He happens to be one of the key health officials in our city. He also is a member of our church and a friend to many of us. And, and I know that when he speaks, I want to listen. Because he wants to keep us safe. Because he actually cares for us. And because he cares for us, and because I know this about him, that when he speaks, I follow everything he says. Brothers and sisters, in a, in a much more eternally significant way, this is exactly the context of Exodus 20. It sits in the context of, of, of the whole book of Exodus, where God has brought his people out. And the opening words of the Ten Commandments remind us exactly the context that they are given and by whom they are given. And so this evening, we've got to be thinking to ourselves, do we believe that this God has our good in mind? And who is this God that makes these rules? Well, our text shows us really very simply three things, very clearly, I should say, three things. He says, first of all, I am the Lord. I am the Lord. He says this, he uses the word Yahweh. He uses, uses the reference or the word I am when he, when he said to Moses, when Moses said, well, what should I tell the people your name is? Who, who has sent me? He said, tell him, tell them I am has sent you. In other words, I'm not going to be defined by, 
by a particular category. No, I define myself. I am God. I am creator. I am the one that sustains everything. I am the one that sustains the very breath that you're breathing. I'm the one that controls time. I'm the one that controls the tides of the ocean. I'm the one that controls the rain. I'm the one that controls the sun, the stars, the planets, the orbits. I'm the Lord. I'm the creator of everything in the universe. I am the creator of you. We read many places in scripture, but you see it in Psalms 100, this great psalm of praise, when it talks about why we should praise God. It says, know that the Lord, Yahweh, he is God. He is the one who has made us. And as the King James and the new old King James and new King James said, but not we ourselves. In other words, we didn't make ourselves and we don't possess ourselves. No, he is the one who has made us and we are his because we are his creation and we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. The first context in which we need to understand the God who gives these rules is that he is a God who is God, who is Yahweh, who is Lord, who is the I am. He is the one who holds everything in his hands. And that's not just a little kid's song. No, those are scriptures all over the place. For God talks about holding us in his hands. No one can snatch us out of his hands. He holds the depths of the earth in his hands, it says in Psalm 95. He is the Lord. That is the one who is making, the one who is in control and creator of all things. But it also goes on. It says, I am the Lord, your God. Your God. It's very interesting language here that is used. Because it's language that would signify not just that all of you, I'm your God, but that actually each one of you, I'm your God. I am a God who is in personal relationship with each one of my people. This is not a distant creator coming up with random rules. This isn't just, hey, uh, I think there's some rules I should have for God's people. No, this is a personal God who knows you, who knows me. And this God is not just giving us random rules. No, what is he doing? He's he's revealing his character to us. He's letting us participate with who he is. He's he's in a relationship with us and he's, he's setting boundaries for this relationship in order that we might be free in that relationship with him and with each other. This is a God who speaks to us. Notice at the very beginning, and God spoke all these words. He's not distant and far off. He actually communicates with us. I reference the the briefing that happens every weekday at 1.30 by our friend Steve, member of this church, and a shepherd and servant leader in this church, and a key health official in this city. Well, I happen, like many of you, to know him. Not just know about him, I know him. I also know that he, he knows me. He knows who I am. He knows my name. And I know that he cares for all of us, but I know that he cares for me. I know that he cares for each one of the people he, he uh, knows. And when he gets up to speak about what's going on in our health and, and he gives us these rules and he gives us these restrictions, he's doing it from a place of, of personal uh, care and personal love. The Lord knows you. The creator of the universe knows you. 
He knows your worries. He knows your fears. He knows your struggles. He knows your needs right now. That's the God who speaks. That's the God who gives these words of grace. He is the Lord, our God. And then finally, it says that he is the God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He is our Redeemer. These people were slaves, and they had lived their whole lives for generations with all kinds of rules, but they were abusive rules. The restrictions were not intended to care for them or protect them. Instead, these restrictions were only intended to care for the ones who were masters over them. They didn't have the well-being of the Israelites in mind at all, and they were slaves to that. They were trapped in that. And God, in his grace, rescued them. He brought them up out of the land of Egypt. We saw that this morning when we studied uh, the, the place where God brings his people through the Red Sea and rescues them miraculously and sets his affection on them. So you have to ask yourself, why did he do this to the Israelites? Why did he rescue them? Why did he choose them? Well, Deuteronomy 7 tells us that. We've read that before. We've studied that before. Because he set his affection on them. Because he chose to love them. And brothers and sisters, we were slaves. We weren't slaves in Egypt. All of us, most of us, have never been slaves or felt indebted in any significant way to anyone. Maybe we have. But we know we were slaves to sin. We were, we were trapped in our own selfishness, in our own blindness, in our guilt, in our shame, and we couldn't get out. But we were rescued by Jesus Christ. Our Redeemer, He rescued us. Not because we called out to Him. No, He, before we were still sinners, He died for us. While we were still in our darkness and blindness, He reached out to us. When we were dead in our sins, he made us alive. And he did this by paying the price to set us free. And so we're free. And he's not trying to trap us and enslave us again. No, he's giving us these words of grace that we might be free. Some of you saw this last week that we have um, begun these daily devotionals. I think they post every day at noon. And they're just three or so minutes, uh, words from different pastors, different ministry staff at Second. And they are based on our go-to verses. What are some of the key verses that we go to when we're struggling or when we need assurance of, of God's love or to be strengthened or to be, to be comforted? We were kicked off this week on Wednesday by Brandon who, who shared with us from Romans chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. And I want to read those in light of what we're looking at tonight. And I want you to listen to these in light of this God who makes the rules. It says this in verse 31, What shall we then say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? How will he not with Christ graciously give us all things? As we close our time of worship this evening, 
We're going to sing together nothing but the blood of Jesus. And as we sing that, let us be reminded that it is the Lord, the Creator, who is our God and our Redeemer, who has graciously given us His Son. Brothers and sisters, He is for us. And so we can trust His words. We can trust His rules. We can trust their grace to us. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the blessing of that grace, that you are God creator, that you are our Lord, our God, personal, and that you are a redeemer. When we were dead and trapped in our sins, you came and rescued us. And so, Father, when you speak, we trust you. And when you give us rules, we know that they are words of grace for us, that we might stay safe, that we might be cared for, that we might be healthy, that we might be free. Father, thank you for these. Thank you for the blood of Jesus that reminds us that if you've graciously given us Christ, why would you not give us all things? It is in the name of Christ that we pray. And all God's people said, Amen.